Well done, everyone. I feel like you're my youth group, always making the kids get involved. But uh, if, if you don't like participating, then unfortunately, you might be at the wrong church today. As, as strong as that may sound, um, we have such a deep belief that, that everyone in this room is significant and that everyone has a voice and eyes and ears and, and, and hearts to be one together. And so um, you would have seen, and this morning's been a great picture um, of what we're going to be looking at today. Um, and and um, Peter, we're in our third week looking at uh, Peter's first letter that was circulated to the churches of Asia Minor. And Peter cast this vision that's one of the most famous visions. Um, our Baptist belief is built um, on the fact that we are a priesthood of all believers, uh, that we all have a relationship with God. And I was just reminded... Um, I never want to just speak from what I've prepared all week long. Even right until the moment before I preach, I'm just waiting and listening to God to say, what are you saying this morning? Uh, someone once told me that, that God is always speaking. Uh, his son, Jesus, is the word. Um, he is the beginning. He is all things. He, he is constantly speaking. If we would have the ears and the eyes to notice and observe so people often think that I'm, well, I am a little bit scattered throughout life, but especially during church, I'm always looking around. Um, and I'm looking around to observe my family, my brothers, sisters, mums and dads worshipping. I'm seeing little Ryan tapping the chair to the beat of worship during the third song. And that's encouraging the rhythm of my heart to connect into God. Because everything I come into this place is to connect with our Father in heaven, who's not dead, he's alive. And we heard about the power of the Kairos team that, that by faith and boldness stepped into the prison, a group of people believing that God will do something, and he did. And it happens every time. It's like a proven formula there in the prison. Um, and the stories that come out every time are incredible. And um, we get to rejoice in that as a family. So this morning, um, we're looking at Peter's vision for the church that we are all significant we are all royalty. We are all pastors. We're all a priesthood. And um, this first um, concept came to me through Soul Survivor, which is particularly connected with the Vineyard Church and values. And so there was a man by the name of John Wimber, um, and he was influential in the 80s and 90s um, there in California. And John Wimber, um, who I consider, yeah, a father of the faith, um, he really pushed in um, to... Um, a bunch of values in their church where they saw that doing the stuff meant going out to the streets and praying for people. And, and they believed in not evangelism, but they called it power evangelism. And um, yeah, they, they, the Vineyard Church is now spread around the world and they're often smaller churches, but they are all in involved. And one of their top values was everyone gets to play. And then often they'd say, everyone gets to pray. Everyone gets to do communion. Everyone gets to do worship. Everyone. We all have the same Father, the same Jesus who died for us all. And so I, I've since then just been in love with that idea that everyone gets to play. And um, one particular famous story of his, because he was known for seeing breakthrough um, after years and years of seeing no healing, one day healing just broke out and it, it spread and people would come to see, see and experience that kind of faith and to prove that it wasn't about him. Because it's not about the preacher or the pastor or the worship leader here in our, our Baptist churches, nor in the Vineyard Church. And so what John would do is he um, had a man in a wheelchair who, who could not walk. 
And instead of him praying for the healing, he got the smallest, youngest children on stage. They prayed for the man and he got up and walked. But the level of risk and the level of faith that this man, John Wimber of the Vineyard Church, he counted the cost. He, he had an incredible story in life and I've, I've loved learning from the Vineyard Church. But there he stepped aside and he let these little children, like eight or nine years old, and, and, and they saw a miracle done through children. And um, I've since then always thought that's the kind of family I, I want to build my life upon. So on Friday, I was feeling a bit heavy, had a big night of youth ahead. Turned out to be, yeah, one of the harder Fridays I've had. Turned into a good night, don't worry. But I had Emma. I've, I, someone once said to me and Emma at a camp, we were go, getting attacked and, and we had a lot of fights behind the scenes at one of our camps four years ago. And as we reflect on it a few months later, someone said, well, it's because you need each other. It's because you're one. And actually, uh, and they pointed to a story where uh, I think Deborah and Barack and, and they needed each other to get the breakthrough. And, and what someone said to me is, you need Emma to get the breakthrough. You need Emma's faith and you need to humble yourself and seek her and have her pray for you or, or walk together because you're one. And so that was something that also just spurred me on. And so, you know, Joey, she's only um, four months tomorrow. But on Friday, Emma laid a hand on me and was praying for me. And I just got Joey's little hand and slapped it on my face. And there we have my four-month-old baby is learning that she too gets to play. She's a child of God, that she, her faith is slowly growing. And there she was, just started speaking and praying. No, she didn't. Um, but... <laughs> That's the kind of family that I want to have. Um, and it's a, the, a, fortunately, I had a family that pray together as well. And not all of us have had that. But I want to speak over us today that that's the kind of family we are here at Dural. And we want to keep growing deeper in that. And I think that's what God's calling us into in this season. And that's something that's been stirring my heart all week with change, with transition, and, and a lot of varieties happening at the moment. And, and, and um, we've got change of leadership again over the next few months and again later next year. We as a church are okay because we, we don't have this hyper value of a super leader because we believe that we are all the pastoral team on a certain level. There's certain positions and titles we'll give people, but we all get to participate and play in the kingdom of God. And Peter understood this, a man that walked with Jesus, and he spoke over the church there in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He said, you're all chosen. You're my chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation and you belong to me. You, you're my special possession. You belong to God. And so John illustrated that. Um, and I just love even this morning, we've seen all ages participating. Um, I was encouraged by stories, a story in the, uh, one of the more recent revivals in 1948 that broke out in an island off Scotland. I think it's Hebrides or Hebrides. I think Hebrides. And this was Hebrides. Hebrides. Okay, thanks parents. They're always on my back. So there's this island um, that now about 40,000 people live on, but they were a place near Scotland, part of Scotland, that had a revival breakout where the pubs were emptied and, and kids and youth and basically the whole town was swept and saturated with the love of God. And um, there was a word and a scripture given to two dear ladies. It's often called the Lewis Revival. Uh, Peggy and her sister 84 and 82 years old. One of them was blind and one of them bent over with arthritis. 
But it was them that said in two weeks, God's told us after praying and praying in our little cottage because we can't walk to church. Isaiah 43, 3, I will pour out my water on the thirsty and dry ground. They spoke it to the church leaders. They had no kids, no youth. They were down to about 10 people and they were broken hearted that their church was dying. And um, they began prayer meetings throughout the week from 10am to 4am. And after a few weeks, it came. Revival happened. And for three, four years, it swept over this island and throughout. um, And then people would come and visit and people would just be on the ground because of the presence of God. But I love that it started with seven elders and particularly two dear old ladies, one of them blind. And what a picture for us and for, for the church that everyone is important and significant to God and, and He flows through them all. Um, I read all these stories in the Bible and I'm always inspired by them and I never want to base what I've experienced as the, the bar for my life. And so I, I've pursued making the Bible um, my vision <laughs> and therefore I need to keep stepping out. I need to keep taping, taking risks and I believe that's for us a word this morning for us as a church. And so three weeks ago on our first week back of youth, um, our theme is heaven. Um, and, you know, we need to all um, be a part of, so a part of um, helping out. I've got a team of leaders, but actually Joe Marseps, I've been annoying her for a few weeks and she has put together a vision of the city of heaven based from John and a little bit of me and a few other people. And this is our picture and our theme of heaven for camp. But um, I don't want it just to be knowledge and words and teaching. And so my dream and my prayer is that the kids and the youth will come and they will taste and see and experience heaven. And so that's not till January. And I thought two weeks ago, well, let's go for it. So I I ditched half my talk that night because I felt like God just say, can they just spend time with me and not you? I was like, oh, okay. So then I stood back and I said, can everyone close their eyes? There's about 60 kids. A lot of them um, don't even go to church or from unchurched families. And I simply asked Jesus, who is alive, to um, meet them in a special place that they love, a beach or a park. Jesus came and then there was a door. He took them through the door and he showed them heaven. And you would not believe the testimonies and the stories of people that saw similar things. Afterwards, they went and spoke in their year groups and they chatted. They're like, you had a river of life. I had a river of life. You had trees. You had leaves that healed. Oh my gosh. Um, you had a dinosaur as well. No, they didn't have dinosaurs. But they, they were amazed by the unity of things that Jesus had shown them. And finally, I felt like Jesus had a gift for them. They opened a box and they each got a gift. Um, one year six boy got a key that was told it was his key to go to heaven anytime he wants to talk to God. Another little girl uh, in year eight got a letter that was handwritten to her from Jesus and it spoke to some things that she'd been really heavy about. Now, I didn't do any of this and I just sat back and I sat in the meeting later on and the leaders shared stories from their youth. And these are illustrations and and experiences of just moments where I think God is always speaking to us all and He's alive. But we simply just need to make that space. And so I think we're beginning to have a community and a culture within our youth and with our leaders where anyone can, can come and talk to me, take the microphone and lead and share and point towards God or to heaven. And so this morning, yeah, that, that, that is the heart of this message, I think, that we find in verses 4 to 10 of 1 Peter 2. And we're going to break that down very shortly. But before we did uh, do that, 
I, I, I've found that when I read Paul or Peter that I like to get to know them and really understand where they're coming from. It's a really helpful thing they teach you in Bible college. I've spent six years there. I'm in my last subject. I've been going part-time. I'm almost done. But one of the great things they teach you is you've got to understand where it's all coming from. Yes, it's the Bible. It's holy. It's infallible. It it's pierces your heart. It speaks to you. But we can do a bit of work to understand where he's coming from. And so I got a, a photo of Peter, and I just want to bring us into Peter's life. Um, and then we're going to break down the text, and then we're going to have a cup of tea. So Peter... I've been spending the last couple of weeks thinking about this guy, thinking about one of the 12 disciples who walked and spent three years with Jesus. He's a man that was there. He's an apostle. The church was built on him. And he has the authority to write a letter that we now have in our Bibles that teaches us who the church can be. Peter, poor old Peter, he's often remembered for the rooster crowing and denying Jesus three times at the cross. A great story. And we often sometimes may fall into thinking, how could you do that, Peter? Other people often remember he's the guy that walked on water but took his eyes off Jesus and started to fall in the water. But actually, when we think about Peter, he was a man that had the faith to step out of a boat and walk on water. I one night got really excited and I told the youth group that one day I will walk on water. I was in a moment of a lot of faith. But what I love is that Peter takes me to a place where I never want to be satisfied. I always want to be hungering and thirsting for more of God's presence and His guidance in my life, that my life would be His. And so as I sat with Peter this week, this man that walked on water, soon after he, he went up a mountain and he saw the glory of God. There was the transfiguration of Jesus. There were shelters for Moses and Elijah. And Peter saw this. He have overcame the fact that he denied Jesus at the cross three times. He stood around. He listened to Jesus' words. Jesus appeared, the resurrected Jesus. Peter was the one on the water and the beach catching fish and realised it was Jesus. There he was on the beach, had a barbecue with the resurrected Jesus. Jesus then told him, wait until my power comes. And he said to Peter that I will build my church through you, but on my name, on Jesus' name and on you and through you and hell will not overcome it. That was a word over his life. And Peter didn't walk away from it. And so today we read a letter from Peter because he stood by faith on the words that Jesus said to him, I will build my church, Peter, hang in there. And so we see it's Peter there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit and fire and the wind comes that Peter steps up and he gives the first message to the, um, all the people from different cultures. A message where we see um, thousands baptised that day. And then we see throughout Acts 1 to 10, the story of Peter where the church began to spread. And we see a man who, who, who lived out the good news of Jesus, who followed the steps of Jesus. And so therefore I go, I got a lot to learn from Peter. I got a lot to learn from him. And one of the stories that really excites me about Peter is in Acts 5. We read in Acts 5 verse 12 that the apostles had performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. 
So Peter and the group of the disciples and other apostles, word spreading, there's movement happening. Everyone's heard about God's power and His love and, and healing. And, and people are finding that they, they're suddenly right with God and they've got this heart-to-heart connection with God. And in verse 15 of Acts 5, we read, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So many people talk about the power of God in Peter and over Peter, and it was through his faith and his obedience that even his shadow, as he walked through a street, people were being healed. Now, whether that was literal or not, there was something about Peter's presence and his faith. It may not have been his shadow that that caused the healing. It may have been. People were healed when they touched Jesus' cloak. I think it was Paul's handkerchief. But here we see a picture of a man that had a presence that was able to change any place, any person. It created healing. It created faith. It brought salvation and it pointed to Jesus. And I believe it's what our children are learning about, the presence of God. And it's what we're all growing in, all ages. Constantly our whole lives, we're on a journey of understanding the person and presence of Jesus that can fill us, change us and change other people if we would step in into each place. So finally, the the moment of Peter that I think will, will help us for today as we look shortly at the text. In Acts 10, I'm going to retell the story just very briefly. And what I love at the start of this story, Peter gets a vision. He gets a vision that changes the church forever and that we inherit what happened here. And I think it's spoken to 1 Peter 2. But here, Peter, we read at the start of Acts 10, was on his rooftop. And what was he doing? He was praying. He's on his rooftop praying and we read that the heavens opened up and he saw a vision and he walked away from it and three times this happened. And he saw a vision of a sheet coming down and he saw four-footed animals, some reptiles, and he was told to kill and eat them. And he argued and wrestled with this because he's like, I, can't, I shouldn't eat these unclean animals. But there was a message in this vision that changed the church forever. After this, three people knocked at his door and said, Peter, we've been told to get you and you have a message for us. These three people walked Peter to Cornelius' house. I think it was in Joppa. And Peter then understood his message that this was a Gentile home. He wasn't even allowed in this non-Jewish family's home. And he told them that at the start. And then he shared with them this vision and he shared about who Jesus was. And then the Holy Spirit fell on this whole family. They prayed in tongues. They eventually were baptised and they fell in love with Jesus. And Peter suddenly realised Jesus died for everyone. Not just the Jews, not just Israel. They were meant to be the light of the world, but Israel fell short. He chose Jesus and it's through Jesus that every tongue will bow. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. And it's through Jesus that all can be saved. And it's the power of Jesus that we all get to walk with. And so this vision, this open heaven that Peter encountered as he was praying, he then changed the message. He went back to the apostles and he said, hey, we've misunderstood everything. I now realise that we are to save and spread to every part of the world. And Peter's journey then took him to Turkey, modern day, and and Asia Minor. And then the gospel truly began to spread. And the promise of Jesus 
in Acts 1.8 that, that I will take, you will take my word with my power to the ends of the earth, to every city and town, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Peter suddenly realised, hang on, I can now go anywhere, talk to anyone. And so suddenly uh, John and the team, they know they're allowed to, by the authority of Jesus to walk into a prison in Park Lee because Jesus is for everyone and the love and the message of Jesus is for everyone and everyone is significant. Everyone gets to play. And so if you want to turn your Bibles, hopefully you have them with you to 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. Let's read it. And we'll see that the revelation of Peter there on that rooftop, it flows into his letter. And he paints a picture of who we all are. Because every single person can be a living stone, a part of the house of God, the family of God. So we read from verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Pause there. Peter understands, and he is writing this to all the churches to spread it around, that every one of us are not just a stone. You're not just a chair or part of the furniture here. We are all living stones, building a spiritual house. And this spiritual house is, is, is the fulfilment of what began as the Ark of the Covenant that held the presence of God and then became a tabernacle. Then it was to be a temple rebuilt. And now we become the temple. We become temples of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And we all become living stones building a spiritual house. And thankfully for the Reformation 400 years ago that stood up and said, we, we do not want just a hierarchical, powerful church that was very religious and fairly oppressive and dogmatic, but actually the Reformation and, and guys like Luther and Calvin and, and all of them stood up and broke away from what was the Catholic Church back then, uh, still continues today. And, and they had a slight, same Jesus, same heart for God, but a slight difference of interpretation. And it's thankfully for that that we all now have participation rights. We all have access to God's voice and His love and His heart. And therefore, we together are coming together to build something really special. And I think more than ever for us in this season as Dural, we need to find who we are, what do we have, what do we carry, and we need to bring it to the table. If I'm having a barbecue and I've got some meat, I need everyone to bring something to make it a really good Australian barbecue. You've all got something to bring. A little bit of salad, a couple of drinks, some dessert. Don't forget dessert. Maybe a bit of chocolate. Everyone's got something to bring. And here that's what Peter's saying. And then he talks about it as sacrifice, as spiritual sacrifice, which is worship. We use this word worship, but our whole life is worship. You know, I was watching Dan and he has led so faithfully for so many years here with his gifts. And Dan needs all of us to join him because he doesn't want to be the main worship leader his whole life. I mean, he's probably called to do that. But his greatest heart and desire is that we would all lead each other into worship. That before he even opens his mouth, we're all singing too. Because we've come into this place filled with God and ready to praise Him no matter what we're facing. Because we all 
to a certain degree, are worship leaders. Dan may have greater gifting in that, but we can all learn and grow and, and lead each other so that all of our worship increases. The same with hospitality, the same with encouragement, and it's all building God's house. And for us, it, it looks like a sports centre here at Jewel, but it goes beyond into our families, our workplaces and everything and everywhere. And then there's a promise here in the text In verse 6, we read in Scripture, it says, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. If we trust in Jesus with all that we have, everything we have, all our time, our money, everything, we will not be put to shame. That's a promise that we get to stand on. Verse 7 says, Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe... This stone the builders rejected, it has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. It's a confronting message at the end of this part, that those that reject the precious cornerstone, the precious name of Jesus, unfortunately their destiny is death. Their destiny is separation from God. And it's a confronting teaching that we have to hold on to as the church, that those that disobey and deny the love of God, deny Jesus, they become separated from the, the family and then the love of God. But for us, he says that, that Jesus was so precious to God that, that, that God gave us Jesus to be the cornerstone, to be the foundations that hold everything together. And that's what we build our church and our family on. Colossians 2.3 says that in Jesus is all the treasure and, wis and wisdom and knowledge. All the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. That Paul was proclaiming that, that everything that we need is in Jesus. That's how precious it is. He holds it all together. We simply need to just turn to Jesus and spend more time with Him. On the new uh, iPhone, iOS, there's a feature screen time. And it's gone all out now. And it tells you every time you pick up your phone, you can look at it over seven days, over one days. You can look at it through and it breaks down every percentage, every second, every minute that you use your phone. And it's this incredible seven day breakdown. It tells you like, I think I picked up my phone um, on average 150 times a day. You might be shocked, but have a look at your screen time if you have an iPhone. Sorry, non-iPhone users. But as I was thinking about this, and it's quite a helpful um, uh uh, offering that Apple have given to help people deal with you know, technology and addiction and things like that. But it got me thinking about the breakdown of my life and my time and my thoughts and my mind and my heart and my relationship with Jesus. And, and that's where we're heading this morning, our relationships with the precious cornerstone of Jesus. Because we all get to participate, we all get to play. But wh what do we bring? Where does that come from? And what we see here is it comes from Jesus. So as we um, jump into the last two verses that, that, that are really um, sum up everything we've already talked about, I mentioned it early. Uh, Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Just let those words speak over you. Do you believe them?
Do you walk around knowing that you're a royal priest? I've got a photo of a bunch of priests and I had this like thought and, and picture this week that imagine if we all dressed like that and we lived our, our day. That was just our daily outfit. And, you know, I've, not, I've never actually had the thought of some of these more traditional expressions of the church that, that um, the pastors or the priests would dress in that manner. And I guess I had this thought this week that that constant awareness would probably help them. They would know that they're called to be holy people. They would know that they're called to be priests. And so, yeah, imagine yourself dressed like that. I should have brought an outfit. I should have worn that this morning. That would have gone down a treat next time. But I thought, imagine if we had that awareness that we are holy people, as Brian spoke into last week. We are called to be priests. We are all royalty because we serve King Jesus. We are sons and daughters. We are the family of the King. And if we all lived like we were sons and daughters of the King, it would, it would change, wouldn't it? And so I wonder if we were to begin to spend more time realising that we are royalty, we are priests and we become a royal priesthood together and that we're chosen by God. That's what Peter was reminding us all. That's what helped Peter live the life for Jesus by faith that he lived. And this idea of being a royal priesthood, the priesthood of all believers, everyone gets to play. It was God's oldest vision for all of people. And so we have to pick up, we picked up the image of the spiritual house and the temple that we now become the temple, but we also become God's original vision for people, which was that we would all hear His voice. And so if you were to turn to Exodus 19, I'll read it to you. But Moses was there at Mount Sinai. And we read that as he was talking to God, this was a picture of the future. And uh, God spoke to Moses and says, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did. I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. This was the vision given to Moses. And Moses was chosen to gather the priests from the nation of Israel, there were 12 tribes and they were meant to all have, be priests that would hear from God and spread the word. That fell short and we read in Leviticus 8 and 9 that eventually the Levites, one of the tribes, became the, the high priests and, and Aaron particularly. But even as we know the story of the Old Testament, they turned to other gods. They stopped listening to God's voice. They let go of their relationship with God. And so it was God's plan that he made Jesus the high priest, that Hebrews 4, 16 refers to Jesus as the high priest, who's now made us all priests. And we are the fulfilment of God's message to Moses there at Mount Sinai. You know, there was a moment where lightning and thunder and the mountains trembled just after this where um, God spoke to Moses and the people were so afraid. They said, no, 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 Moses, you go talk to God. We'll listen to you. And there was a fear that broke into the hearts of God's people. 
and they weren't able to boldly in love know that they, God wanted to commune with them. And so God took that away from them eventually. There's an old Jewish um, tale that the high priest um, on a holy day would have a rope tied to his ankle. And when he was in the Holy of Holies, um, in the presence of God, in case he hadn't properly prepared himself and died, he would get dragged out by the rope. Now, the Bible doesn't teach of that, and it's probably unlikely that that was one of God's commandments. But the story that has spread down through Jewish communities, it portrays the requirement of the priests who had to come before God and they mediated for all the people and they would take the message and bring it back to the people. And it was such a calling on the high priests. For you and I today, we're all priests. We all can just talk to God right now and listen to Him right now and let Him lead our minds, our thoughts, our encouragements and how we build each other up. And we become the fulfilment as the royal priesthood. Jesus put it like this in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. We have direct access to God, the Father in heaven, through what Jesus did on the cross. Those that believe in Jesus who took away our sin, our rejection of God, and were filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit Our heart is connected with God whenever we go to Him. We just need to spend time with Him. And my encouragement to us this morning is, can we press in more? Can we push in more to God? Can we not rely on Sunday filling us up? Can we be people that drink and taste and speak and talk with God and commune with Him? throughout our whole week so that when we come and when we gather during the week in small groups and life groups or Sunday or wherever we cross paths, that we would declare the praises of Him who brought us out of the darkness into the light. Because the final picture of being chosen and royal, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, Peter says that we would then declare His praises. Like the Kairos team this morning, I want to hear more testimonies. Write to um, us, the staff at the church. Tell them to each other. Tell them to your small groups. Declare the praises of Him who took us all out of darkness and put us in light. Then we become worshippers. Then we become worshippers under heaven and for God. We're His special possession. We become a holy nation. Jesus transcends culture, Jew, Gentile, all people. We can visit any community, any culture, any nation. And it's remarkable what God has done through Dural. I had a friend ask me the other day, dude, I was in the magazine of the Solomon Air flying to the Solomons and Dural had four pages about your church in the magazine of the in-flight magazine. He was like, that's pretty cool. And that's the kind of things God can do through us. But we have a danger that we would rely on the things we do. And this morning, I want to call us back to the voice of God to listen to Him. And in this time, especially over the next 12 months as a church, can we be listening to God and speaking it into each other? Can we be sharing more stories and helping each other out? And I think we'll see a deeper and a more beautiful spiritual house building and being formed. But it comes through our beliefs. It comes through our minds and our hearts and knowing that you're a priest, 
knowing you're chosen, knowing you're holy. And the only way I can do that every day is I go to Jesus because it's Him who reminds me that I was caught out of the darkness into the light, that I'm chosen. And I forget that so quickly. I have to go to Him every day. We need to go to Him to Himself. We need to be mature and grow up and, and feed from Him. Bill Johnson, one of my, one of my heroes and a father of the church and, and Bethel Church doing an, an incredible thing for all churches around the world. But um, he says, I, I do not want to have a single thought in my mind that is not of God and is not from God. And that's something I aspire to. I don't want to do anything or say anything that hasn't come from God in my mind and in my heart. You know, Jesus said, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of the Father to serve God. And so this morning, I remind us that you're chosen, you're royal, you're holy, and you belong to God, you're accepted. Live out of that place. Live out of that place. So my final, final thing is just how do we just keep going back to Him? Well, I've found we just need to keep being creative and find new rhythms and new ways and new places. You'll hear me always talking about the secret place where we're rewarded with God, a special place where we talk to Him every day. We need to find that one. I talked about each other. We help each other get breakthrough. We help each other through praying together, through talking together. We build up our faith so that we would see the kingdom come, that we would pray his kingdom come right here on earth as it is in heaven. That we would reflect, we would journal. Journaling and writing has helped me out. Draw from past victories, draw from testimonies to build up your faith. Dan leads us constantly into worship, but we can listen and praise and sing every day, any moment. The gift of tongues is something that connects our heart to God that we can pursue. And Paul thanked God that he prayed in tongues all the time. Silence and solitude. Any of these places are where we can come before God and connect our hearts and our minds. But we need to, be the, we need to become people that can enter His presence, can listen to God and become really good at listening to Him, knowing Him. And then we can share that with other people. We can share that with everyone and declare His praises. Why don't we all stand I'm going to ask the band to come up and we'll sing a, a last song before we, we have a cup of tea. Are we going to sing? We've had a huge service, are we? Yeah? Great. We're going to end with a, a song of praise. Um, and then after Dan finishes, feel free to wander for a cup of tea, coffee, some treats, spend some time together. Um, we have a space every week for prayer. And this is a time where we can just go, I need more of God right now. I need His help. And we'd love to pray with you. Be humble, be bold. Just go and um, sit up the back and there'll be people from the prayer team or um, anyone can, can, can pray over there um, or just ask someone near you. But this morning, let's, let's seek Him. God, we worship You this morning. We thank You. We pray that we would believe in our hearts and know in our minds that we are sons and daughters of the King. We are royalty. We have an inheritance. We are rich. And all knowledge and wisdom is in heaven and it's in you and it's in us. So thank you, Jesus. Help us turn to you now and listen to you.